When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Hope you guys are all doing well. If you are finding yourself this week in need of a good story, I have that for you. Also, if you are wondering why it is that you love a good story and how you can use it to your advantage, also keep listening to this episode because I'm going to talk about stories while also telling you a story that I just know I just know you guys are going to find interesting. I feel like I'm always, you know, on the podcast, on YouTube, on my other podcast, somewhere telling you guys just really everything about my life, my dating life, my friendships, really everything that I go through. I am no stranger to telling you guys stories about my life. I was actually interviewed today by this woman at Time Magazine very incredible opportunity. I was so shocked to see the email in my inbox from Time Magazine. I'm like, why? I'm I'm sure it's for their, it's definitely for their online publication only. But I grew up reading Time for Kids and that was my homework assignment as a kid in like second grade. And it's just a full circle opportunity. Very interesting. And she asked me a bunch of questions about sharing my life online and how that has impacted me over the years and how I think that it's also impacted other people. And it was a very compelling conversation I had today. So I'll definitely be linking that piece or whatever it ends up being on my Instagram when slash if it comes out. (laughs) No pressure. If she's listening, I don't care. It's okay. It was a fun conversation regardless of whether it makes it into print on the site or not. Anyway, that conversation that I had this morning about storytelling really got the gears turning in my mind. And That compelled me to sit here today and tell you guys another story. And I was going to save this story for my other podcast, Match Made, because it is technically about dating and my dating life and kind of a meet-cute situation. So definitely, I know some ears are perking up, hopefully, because it is an interesting story. Um, And I've always been dying for a meet-cute situation, so I'm happy that it finally happened to me and we'll see where it goes. But I decided, because I'm recording Match Made tomorrow morning, and I'm going on a date tonight because of said meet cute situation. I'll save like the reaction after the date for Match Made. And today is the origin story. And I'll probably tell it again on Match Made if you guys listen to that. But you guys don't care. You want me to get to the point. So let me set the stage. Every good story has a good setting introduction. Like 
I'm going to describe it, but I'm not going to go into like flowery terminology like some authors do that I love, but also I like skim a little bit. So this was Saturday during the day. I woke up on Saturday. I had a fabulous night's sleep Friday night, I will say. I think I talked about it in a past episode how I've really been sleeping horribly recently. But Friday night, I really had a good night's sleep. Like one of those nights sleep where you wake up and you don't feel like you woke up at any point during your sleep. Like you had a full cycle of sleep and you woke up and you felt actually refreshed. Like I actually felt good. I find it's actually pretty annoying that sometimes you feel like you've gotten a good night's sleep or you think you're about to have a good night's sleep and you wake up and you're like, I don't know why I still feel tired or I slept too long and I feel like I've overslept. This was the perfect night's sleep Friday night. So I woke up Saturday morning already feeling really great just because of that. (laughs) Like I'm just a better person when I have a good night's sleep. Obviously, that's like the most common thing to say. But the day was starting out strong, but I realized I was feeling amazing on cloud nine because of the sleep thing. And it was just a beautiful day. We had so much rain last week and we had a beautiful sunshiny day Saturday. And I'm like, I need to seize this day. I need to carpe this DM. I need to do something with this day. And I had zero plans on the roster, like no concrete plans. I had friends that I knew were around, but none of us had come up with a solid plan. So luckily, as I'm thinking this, a bunch of texts come in in my group chat and my friends are like, let's do something. Some people wanted to go to Brooklyn and have like a Brooklyn day. I was kind of interested in like walking around Manhattan and just kind of wandering. And I don't really know Brooklyn that well to like wander, if that makes sense. Love a Brooklyn day, but I need someone who lives in Brooklyn to show me around. I feel like I don't have a designated Brooklyn friend at the moment, so I need to work on that. But I was really rooting for Manhattan and I knew the best way for me to secure this as a plan was to figure out a place. Like if you want to win not win. Like, I don't want to phrase it like that. Like, it's a win or a lose situation. But like, if you want your idea to succeed in the group chat, you have to come up with a solid, like, time, location, and reason sort of situation. It's like, I proposed this restaurant called Rosie's in the East Village because I chose a time and I looked and made sure there was plenty of availability just in case people were like, let's do this time. And others were like, that's too early or that's too late. So there was options in terms of time. The location was like decently, not central, but close enough to everybody. So that was another thing. Perfect. Amazing margaritas, not too expensive, like really, really good drinks. And at the point we were going to go, it was like after lunch. So people had probably already eaten. So it was really the drinks were king. So I proposed the plan, Rosie's in the East Village, margaritas. And I think it was like 2.30 was the time that I chose. And I like made the reservation and people were on board. Thank God. I'm not typically the one that decides on the place because though I do know a lot of New York City locations, I have friends that are just like really good foodies, like have like a whole list that they want to check off, like very into this stuff and into the planning. So I usually let other people plan. So this was like my first plan in a long time. So my friends really did show up for me. Like that's that's good friendship. You know, if someone just really wants to have a day and you're fully supporting them in their day, that's just a good friend. And it's one of those things where you give back. Like, I'll give back to the next person who wants to have a day and picks a place. So the reservation was at 2.30. I ended up getting there punctually, perfectly on time because I was honestly, I'd gotten ready so early and was just like walking around my apartment, cleaning and like staring at myself. And like, I just needed to get out of the house. So I get to this restaurant. I walked in. The vibes were already immediately immaculate. Like this day was just going so well. And I was like waiting for something to go wrong because I was wearing a white dress and I'm like, something's going to spill on me. Something's going to happen. I walk into this restaurant and the best vibes, like everyone's so happy. The host compliments my outfit. I sit down and 
my friends did take like 20, 25 minutes to show up because I mean, I made this plan and people were already out and about doing things or like had a workout class. So I knew people were going to be late and it was okay. Not so great to the wait staff, but they didn't seem to care. I told them what the deal was and they're like, don't worry, just sit down. We'll give you some water. I'm like, wow, these people are amazing. Like I love this. So I'm sitting there and nothing can bother me. Even the fact that I'm sitting alone at this table, I'm just looking around, busying myself with my water glass. In come my friends. Adam was first, I think, and then Iria, and then my friends Mia and Eliza. So it was, I guess, five of us. Can I do math? Five of us sitting at this table. It wasn't the full squad because some people are out of town. And I'm sitting at this table and I'm just like in a good mood and nothing can break it. Like this was just my day. I could just tell something in the air. This was my day. So I felt like amazing in my dress. I'm sitting down. They have my like favorite tacos. I'm getting tacos even though I already ate lunch. I was like, I just want a taco. And I just had the good vibes, okay? My friends were all in high spirits. We were having a great time just drinking these different margaritas. And I'm looking around the restaurant. There's families. There's young people. Like it's like a very big mixed bag of people in this restaurant. But there's this one like pretty big table in the center that's empty. And it was empty when I walked in and it was still empty as my friends were funneling in and it was probably an hour and it's still empty. And I'm like, they're definitely waiting for a big party. By the looks of it, it appeared to be like a birthday party sort of set up. Like it's that long table. There's like 10 seats, you know, it's like either just a lot of girlfriends, which I've also been there, but it looked kind of like a birthday. I could just like tell. So eventually in comes this large party. And I knew as soon as they walked in the door, I'm like, that's what that table is for. And it was just one of those things I noticed the table. Like I wasn't like fixated on it, but I was like, oh, there's this huge table. Like a huge party is going to come in. I bet they'll be fun because whatever, me and my good mood. So this whole squad rolls in and I see this one guy as they're all walking in, he's wearing this red sweater and he just like looked so handsome. <laughs> my friends, like if they listened to this would be like, Katie, oh my God, why did you use the word handsome? Because it adds to the story. He's handsome. He is like very attractive guy. So I see him right away. And it's one of those things where in New York City, you see a lot of attractive people, okay? You do. You walk down the street, you see attractive people. It's one of those things where you note, okay, attractive person. And then you just like go back to your own business because attractive people are everywhere. So I saw this guy, thought he was cute, went back to my margarita, wasn't thinking anything of it. Adam nudges me in the ribs and is like, isn't that guy so cute? And I knew who he was talking about, but obviously when he said it and was like looking over there, I just felt the need to look over again. I don't know why I just looked, okay? I look over and he's looking at me, like full on looking at me. Both of us realized we both were looking at each other and quickly turned away. And I go, Adam, oh my God, did that guy see that I was staring at him knowing fully well that he did? And Adam goes, yeah, he totally saw you and uh, his friends totally know and uh, just act natural, act natural, sipping the margarita, trying not to think about it. Occasionally would like sneak other glances over there. And I realized that it was a table of guys and girls, like a full squad. The guy that I thought was cute was sitting next to a girl. I'm like, they're probably dating. Like I, maybe this girl is like this freaking crazy person over there is staring at my boyfriend whatever. So I just like let it go. I'm like, again, another attractive person in New York, whatever. On to the next conversation at brunch. So things happen. We end up leaving. We decided we wanted to walk around in West Village. I'm not even thinking about that table or that guy. We're walking around West Village. We were in East Village. So we walked from East Village, like had a leisurely, nice, sunshiny stroll over to the West Village. We're walking around and we're thinking, okay, where do we want to go? We decided at that point, like after a few margaritas and after already having an amazing time at Rosie's, that we're just going to go with the flow. Like we don't have a plan. If somewhere screams good vibes, if 
a restaurant or a bar just like looks appealing, we're going to walk in. And if it's not fun, we'll leave and go somewhere else. Like it's the beauty of bar hopping when it's not super freezing yet. You can do it. So we're walking around West Village. We end up deciding on Wilfie and Nell, which is this bar that I really do like. I went on one disastrous date there where I think I talked about it on the podcast. Like the guy was actually really amazing. Like checked every box until I told him what I did for a living and he made a joke about it and basically said like you were perfect until you told me that you are a podcaster, that you're an influencer. Like he just really did not like that. And I'm like, okay, um, end of flirtationship then because this is me. This is my job. This is my life. So I had a bad experience there, but I was just really over the weekend wanting to scrub that away because I do love this bar and I hate when a bad experience like that ruins a place because a place cannot be ruined if you go back to that place and have a good memory there after a bad memory. Like it kind of just expunges it, right? So we went back to the Well Viennelle and it was five of us. We were meeting up with our friend Mary who she actually joined us later at this bar. So we kind of combined squads with her brunch squad. So it was like around eight or nine of us, I would say. And because it was a big game day, there was lots of games on TV this day and Wilfie and Nell, the bar, doesn't have TVs. It actually wasn't that busy. Like it wasn't as busy as it usually was, which I was kind of looking for at least to start out our bar crawl. Like this was our first one. So we ended up getting a table, which was huge for the program because I usually like it's you have to fight someone to get a table there. It's like hard to sit down. So we ended up sitting down at this long table and it was really lovely. I haven't sat at a table there in a long time. And I was like, wow, this is a really great spot. So we were like hunkered down at this bar so much so that I really had to pee. So I get up to go to the bathroom and I come back and I see that the second half of our table has filled up with people I don't know. And I'm kind of doing a once-over as I'm walking, like a once-over of the people sitting at the table to see, kind of scanning to see if I know them at all because I knew that my friend Mary had other friends. So I was like, oh, maybe she invited other people. But I realized I didn't know them, but I did kind of know them. I'm like, they look kind of familiar to me. Like there's this girl in this like one specific sweater. And I'm like, I feel like I've seen that before. Like maybe I know these people. And as I get closer, I see my seat, like where I was sitting before. And I see a guy sitting next to my seat wearing a red sweater. And I'm like, wait a second. (laughs) There's no way. If you guys know like geography of New York, we were all the way in the East Village. Like maybe Rosie's is considered Lower East Side, actually. I'm really bad at figuring out where that cutoff is, even after living here for four years. But like Rosie's and Wilfie and Nell, could not be like further away on in terms of like the width of New York City. I mean, I guess whatever. What I'm saying here is, is what are the odds of all the bars in Manhattan to go from Rosie's to Wolfie and now? I go, this is definitely not the guy. It's just a guy wearing a red sweater. I go to sit down and I look at his face next to me, like kind of look at the side of his face, I guess. And I'm like, this is the guy. What are the freaking odds? This is the guy. My friends that are sitting at the table that we're at brunch with me, are giving me these like eyes, like boring into my head. And I've just come over to the table. If I sit down now and don't say anything, it'd be weird if I all of a sudden strike up a conversation. Like if I'm sitting down and I notice him and I say something now, it's like a little bit more natural, I guess, or maybe not at all. Or just drunk Katie was like, okay, yeah, this is just, I have to do something. I have to say something. So as I'm sitting down, and my dress, I have like wearing this maxi dress that like I had to tuck it underneath the table. It was a kind of a process to sit down. So he looks over at me because I'm like fully trying to like sit and it's like I'm wearing a ball gown pretty much. And he looks at me, I look at him and I say, you look familiar. And 
I don't know who says something next or if he said it or if I said it. I was like, oh, were you at Rosie's? Or he said, were you at Rosie's? Or something like that. So we end up striking up a conversation. And in that conversation, I remember going into a deep tale with him. Like he was asking me about something. We got on the topic of what we did during the pandemic or like the last big travel experience we had or something. So I launch into a tale about my RV trip, like my RV cross-country RV trip, like the one I took in 2020, where I went to 14 different states in an RV for like a month and a half with these friends of mine and ended up moving to LA. And I told him that full story. I don't even think I took a breath. I was so flustered because this guy was so cute. And I just was shook that we had found each other after like the awkward eye contact earlier. And it was just like, did not feel real to me. So I'm just babbling on and telling this story. And anyway, I thought that I had like totally nailed my coffin shut with that one. Cause I'm like, this is, I'm oversharing. This is just not good for the program here. But he's really engaged with the story. He's telling me things about him. We're you know, understanding if we have any common links or whatever you do in New York when you're trying to figure out, like, get to know someone. And he says, oh, well, like, my friends and I are going to dinner, but please give me your number. I want to talk to you again. Like, I want to see you again or something like that. And I'm like, this is not happening. This is the craziest thing ever. So I add my number into his phone and give his phone back to him and he leaves. And I'm like, well, that was interesting. My friends and I proceeded to talk about it for like the next 10 minutes before we're like, okay, on to the next topic. But I was like, oh, that's nice. I'll probably never see him ever again. And then the next morning I wake up after a few more bars and then end up going to bed. I wake up the next morning to a text from him saying like, hi, it's so-and-so. I loved your story about your RV trip. Like, let's get drinks so you can tell me more stories or something like that. And he proposed literally time, place, like everything all at once, like all up front, no small talk, got right to the point. And it was honestly just the most seamless thing ever. And I guess you could say that's pretty successful meet cute story. And my storytelling during said meet cute may have actually gotten me the date, <laughs> you know? So I'm going on the date tonight. Who knows where this will go? I'll probably actually, well, I know I will record an update on Match Made. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, you can go and listen to my Match Made episode tomorrow for an update. But anyway, all of this got me thinking. My interview this morning, this experience over the weekend got me thinking about stories. And I did an episode on storytelling, the history of storytelling a little while back. If you guys remember the Got Milk ad origin and all that stuff, I think that was over the summer. This is a little bit of a a follow-up or like an extra layer to it because people want stories. People think in stories. Being able to express yourself is crucial and being able to storytell is crucial. And when I was doing a little bit more digging on this and seeing what other people had to say about it, I found this article. I believe it was a Guardian article. I don't know. I'm going to have it linked. Um, but it's called What No One Understands About Your Job. So a little bit of it, it's not forwardly about stories, but let me get to it. So what no one understands about your job, misconceptions about pastors, playwrights, postal workers, and other professionals. Someone loves alliteration. And the article was written by Derek Thompson. I'm going to have it linked. But basically what he did was he had the job title, a little mini one-sentence synopsis, and then a quote from that person about 
what no one understands about their job. Like it's this person wrote in and said, I am this and this is what people don't understand about my job. Like it is very interesting. So definitely read the full article. But one that really stuck out to me when I was reading about this was financial analyst. So I feel like every guy in Manhattan has financial analyst in his like hinge bio or like it, this is like their job. And I truly haven't, like I've known what it means to some extent, but I mean, it's very vague and you have to know specifically what company they work for and all that stuff, obviously. But let me read you this. So it says financial analyst and the one sentence synopsis is the job is about numbers, but everyone thinks in stories. So this is the quote from the financial analyst. They said, I'm an analyst by profession. I read a lot. I write a fair amount. I build a lot of presentations and speak to a lot of CEOs, boards of directors, ministers, and the like. Here is what people don't get about my job. Everyone thinks in stories. Perhaps data drives that story, or data is the story, or maybe compounding anecdotes drive the story. Whatever it is, it's a story. We are narrative creatures, and we want to be told stories, whether it's about scientific progress or human frailty or what the world will look like in a year, a decade, a century from now, etc. And not only that, most of the people that consider themselves the most rational or objective are the most prone to storytelling path dependence, partially as they become very successful. Stories become mythos. So that was an interesting part. Most of the people that consider themselves the most rational, the most objective, are the most like susceptible to like telling stories, to weaving stories, to believing stories. It's so interesting to me because stories are just at the root of who we are as humans. And it's something that we respond to, that we crave. So people want the stories, people think in stories. Like I said, being able to express yourself is crucial. We have access now to more stories than we ever have before. I swear to God, every time I open TikTok, I'm seeing someone telling a story time and maybe singing along or doing a dance while they're telling a story, but there's stories happening every time. That's why TikTok is so addictive because you're being fed so many stories. I'll get into this a little bit further in a little bit because I, I do want to have like a whole tangent on this, but stories do allow you to take a little journey away from your own life and into someone else's and you kind of become that person for a minute. And sometimes it even gives you a greater understanding of your own life. Like you don't realize at first, but then you're like, wait a second. Like I was going about my day doing something totally wrong. And then I saw this TikTok that changed the way that I do things or has changed the way that I thought about something or maybe proved to me that someone isn't who I thought they were and opened the door. You know, stories and TikToks and videos and pictures and things that people produce about themselves that tell a story can change the way that we think and can honestly a lot of times make our lives better. So I found this quote by Jonathan Gottschall. He's an author. He says, we are as a species addicted to story. Even when the body goes to sleep, the mind stays up all night telling itself stories, which I thought was really interesting. It kind of goes back to my episode on dreams and things like that. But it's actually really interesting, isn't it? And I mean, like really, okay, think about this, that someone out there has enough brain capacity and imagination in them, like just packed into them that they are able to write stories, invent worlds, and then write stories about these worlds. I'm thinking like Game of Thrones, then have them turned into TV shows and movies and spinoffs and inspire Comic-Con festivals and costumes and all these things. And then we 
like, yes, that's like the world spiraling out and becoming this phenomenon. But we sit in our homes and we pay. We pay money for these stories to be told to us. Like Netflix, I have like seven different streaming services and I pay for all of them. And it's because I don't want to not have access to certain stories that some networks pick up and some networks aren't allowed to have. Like it's obviously the, the politics of it all. But like I pay for like seven different streaming services because I want these stories to be told to me. Like I want access to this story that a lot of times is purely fictional and doesn't – maybe it's realistic fiction, but it's very much fictional and is not showing a real thing. Like it's not real. But it doesn't matter how – old or sophisticated you are, we're all paying for stories. And we all have different reasons for that. Like for me, I said this earlier, I really do turn to TV and movies and entertainment like that when I feel like my life is just too much and overwhelming me. My own life happenings is either overwhelming me or boring me, honestly, sometimes. I'm like, I'm just bored with my life. I want something exciting. So I switch off my own life and switch on into this new life. Like I take a break from my own story and find this other one and jump into that. And I think about it sometimes, like imagine if we had zero exposure to stories ever. Like we lived our own lives, siloed, had no window into any other way to live. Like we have the blinders on. We are just living our own lives. You can't hear or watch, like no TikTok, nothing like that. You can't experience anyone else's real life happenings or fictional happenings and imaginations on screen or in books or on your phone, like you have nothing, no exposure to any of that. And I think like what would happen is like I would start inventing my own stories to keep myself company. Like if I was in solitary confinement in a prison or something, that's definitely how I would cope. Like how I would, like if we don't have access to it, like we'd invent it. And it makes me think of Oh God, I'm, I totally forget which show this is that I was obsessed with. It's some like science fiction sort of show that I just watched recently. People are going to listen to this and be like, wow, Katie, you didn't remember the name of the show. But this guy, he's a time traveler. Earth has ended. Like Earth is demolished and done. And he invents like a fictional spouse and a fictional life. It's like the one thing that keeps him sane is to invent this fake wife I think it is, or maybe girlfriend. I don't know, but she's fake. She's fully a store mannequin. And he has like convinced himself that she's real and that he's a real life. And for years, he carries on like this in this demolished world, creating his own community. And his way of surviving is like inventing this story. It's almost as if we need stories for survival. Like it makes life a little bit sweeter, obviously, to be told a tale instead of just having someone bark facts at you, like weaving it into something interesting instead of just bullet-pointed facts. Like it makes us feel like we're there. We can empathize with the person telling the story. When we hear facts, it – I've said this before, like in terms of the brain, it activates those data processing centers in our brain. We're actively trying to process what we're hearing when we hear facts. But when we hear stories – our sensory centers, like those senses are lighting up. We feel like we can touch, taste, experience it firsthand. Like we are the one in it. Like we are the one in the story. We are one with the storyteller almost. So let me tell you something. A group of neuroscientists at Princeton University actually studied this relationship between the storyteller and the person listening and receiving the story. And I won't bore you with like all of the details, but the neuroscientists found that when listening to a well-told story, 
the exact same areas of the brain light up on the MRI in both the storyteller and the listener. In most cases, I believe in their study, like the same areas are lighting up. Like your brain as the listener is mirroring the brain of the storyteller. Like you feel like you are there and it reacts as if you're experiencing it yourself. And I find this firsthand all the time. Like when I'm getting sucked into a movie, I'm in a theater and I'm really like watching Don't Worry Darling. That's the last like full movie I saw that really made me feel this way. I felt like I was in it. Like I was in that movie experiencing it. I was hooking up with Harry Styles and it was pretty nice for a bit until, I mean, if you guys have seen the movie, it's a thriller at the end of the day, but I often find myself getting sucked into these things and it takes me a second to realize that it's not my life. Like if a movie stresses me out, if it's like a horror movie or something really, really freaky, I feel the stress and have to like check myself out of it for a second. I'm like, wait a second, this is not real life. I have to essentially peel myself away from it and remind myself like this is just a movie. It's just a TV show. These people are actors. This person is not actually suffering or bleeding out in real life. Like this is an actor. This is not real. But I do feel, especially the best of the best TV shows and movies, like the first time you see it, maybe not if you're watching like as background noise, you've seen it a million times, but the first time you see it, you feel like you're really there. And it's interesting to imagine a life without all of this, like without us watching these fictional like things, like there are full on like the Oscars, like all of these award shows, people get rich from pretending, from acting, which takes a lot of skill, don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, it is pretending. You are pretending to be someone else. It's just interesting how we pay for stories, we depend on stories, and we all got to learn how to be good ones because as you know, like they sell in marketing, I feel like you're always learning how to be a better storyteller in marketing as an influencer, you know, or any sort of person that's trying to achieve any sort of goal, you need to know how to tell a story. And so, I mean, hey guys, if you want to go on a good date, just just tell them a story and if they like your technique, they'll feel like they're one with you and then they'll just realize they love you. <laughs> like, but it's interesting because you can always tell or at least I find like you can always tell a person's true nature by the stories they tell, like by the way that they tell them, like which details do they focus on? Especially if it's a true story, they're telling it about themselves. Like if they're telling something about their day, the details that they share or like the angle that they take tells you everything you need to know about them. Like are there other characters that they're bringing in? How are they describing these characters? Like how are they describing these people? Do they love them? Do they hate them? Do they find themselves the hero of the story? Do they automatically deem themselves the hero? Like that might indicate some cockiness or there's just certain ways that if someone tells you a story, like you can tell before it even ends. Like you can tell if you hate them or not, <laughs> pretty much. Or like, I found this blog post by um, this guy named Tobias Demmel. I think he's in the cinema industry, but I'll have it linked. He wrote this like blog post, and it was very interesting. He made this point about storytelling that I haven't really ever considered before. I couldn't put it into words. And he said, he asked a question: Why are we so keen to tell our friends what happened to us last weekend? Let that sink in, because I feel like whenever I get back together with my friends after a work week, we're all just launching into stories. Why do we want to tell our friends stories about what happened to us last weekend? He continues, why do people invest decades of their life living an abysmal existence as indie filmmakers or struggling novelists, despite having all the education needed to easily prosper in another field and live comfortably? My suggestion is that deep down, we want our, quote, tribe to survive. 
Our closest group of friends should learn from our successes and misfortunes. So we pass on our experiences and we achieve that by telling a personal story. The screenplay writer is doing just that as well, but to a far larger potential audience. Over the millennia, we evolved our stories from simple how I killed the saber-toothed cat explanative narratives to complicated, artistic, indirect, poetic pieces of a story that take a lot longer to decode their exact learning lessons out of the literary shell. So yeah, it's not as simple anymore. I mean, if you watch old, old, old films, yes, there are some that are super complex, but a lot of them are like, guy meets girl, girl has a fiance, girl decides she loves this man, she dumps her fiance. It's just, you know, a lot of those very cookie cutter standard narratives. And those things still come out. And I love a good Hallmark movie, don't get me wrong, but they still happen. And sometimes it's easier to digest those things. But those things aren't going to win awards, right? Just because a famous actor is in there. Like you've seen very famous actor movies go just absolutely tank because they're either too predictable or too hard to digest. And they're not relatable enough or the person watching can't put themselves in the position. It just doesn't make sense or you just don't like how it was done or whatever, you know? There's a lot more now. Like the landscape is saturated, as many people would say. But at the end of the day, that the the message I took from that, we do it for the tribe. We tell our stories for the tribe. And I think sometimes we also do it to make ourselves feel better. Like you've definitely been there when you tell your friends a story and them giving you the confidence like maybe you feel a little bit lack of confidence in what you're going into and what the next chapter is in your story and you need your friends for that validation and to kind of egg you on keep you going and by giving them a front row seat so they feel like it's just as much their deal as it is yours it helps you in that way so if there's one thing you can take from this episode don't feel afraid to tell your stories and I promise you like it will help other people, it will help you to get it off your chest and you never know, it could score you a date. And I don't know. I think that's just really what I wanted to say. I just really was just toying with this idea and thinking about it. And as this is my spoken diary, this is just what's going on in my brain. So yeah, kind of a follow-up to my other episode on um, the history of storytelling. I did a full deep dive history if you guys are hankering for that. I don't remember what it was called, but it was the Got Milk episode. I don't remember what it was called. Thick and thin. I'm Googling myself. My Wi-Fi has been so horrible this week. Is it even going to come up? Nope. No internet. Well, guys, <laughs> if anyone has a personal contact at Spectrum, let me know because I've had the worst struggles with this this week. Oh, wait. I just found it. It's called Got Milk, obviously. And it's about the history of storytelling. So listen to that next if you want more. But anyway, that is it for my episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening and just, you know, do a deep dive through all my podcast episodes if you want a good story because I feel like I tell quite a few of them. But thank you guys for listening and I'm going on my date in like 30 minutes. So wish me luck and I will talk to you guys all next week. Bye. Bye. 